Hi, I'm Dominic Cat. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Today we'll be discussing the most buzzed about limited series on TV this year. Plus, you're going to hear a snippet of Dominic's conversation with Michael Keaton and the cast and creator of Dope Sick from our Contenders TV event. But before we go there, and thank you for joining us, second episode of our new season. Glad you're here with us. We're going to talk about, as Pete said, limited series. And there are some amazing limited series. Dope Sick, clearly. But we've got White Lotus, Made, The Dropout, Station Eleven, the recently debuted The First Lady, Under the Banner of Heaven, Impeachment, Pam and Tommy, Gaslit. It just goes on and on. So, Pete, right <laughs> off the bat, what would you say are the number one contenders for this category as we lean in towards the nominations being announced later this year? Man, it is so hard to say. You know, it's like the Oscar season where they drop a lot of big movies in November and December. Oh, yeah. And they, they save them for the end. So we haven't even seen some of these yet. Are they just being seen, uh, you know, for critics and that, that thing? But there are so many good things, so many different kinds of series here. Um, I mentioned last week, I really loved The White Lotus. I thought it was completely different, very original. And it came on at the beginning of the Emmy eligibility season. So will it be remembered? I think so. And I think the actors will be remembered. It's, it's been in all the award shows, you know, the other award shows uh, to date. So we'll see if Academy members do. But I have to say, that's you one know, it's of interesting. Things. I just want to point out, it's interesting. This is one of those examples, and White Lotus is perfect. So sorry for interrupting, but yeah. you know, the difference between TV and movies, when a movie, almost always, if, it is, if it's released too early, it does lose a lot of its potential Academy momentum. Yeah. But it's interesting, on TV, that's not the case. I guess partially because, especially now in the streaming age, it still exists in real time, so to speak. You know, As Pete said, we're looking at an Emmy eligibility period that runs from June 1st, 2021, to May 31st this year. And White Lotus, you'd think it was just too far back. But in fact, it's the front runner. Yeah, you know, well, it's interesting, White Lotus, because it was so successful. And I don't, I'm not sure they expected it coming out that early. It was kind of time to the summer. It made sense. They're all on vacation. But, you know, it did so well that they immediately greenlit a second series. It's being shot now in Italy. Uh, with a completely different cast, except Jennifer Coolidge. Can't, can't leave her out of the uh, picture here. So it's kind of like in that gray area of American Horror Story and that sort of thing where it comes back and can be called a limited series, uh, it, you know, because the cast is different. Yeah. So I, I, they're doing that. Uh, also, I think that show, what, the 833, what's it called? Um, is another one that, you know, started out with the idea of a series and now it's a limited series. Um, so, you know, are, they're falling into different cracks here in the eligibility yeah. thing. You mentioned, though, what, what are the front runners? Well, Dope Sick has to be. Yeah, a uh, totally. I mean, Danny Strong, Michael Keaton, Peter Sarsgaard, Rosario Dawson, Caitlin Dever. I mean, it's the cast alone. Oh, and by the way, Barry Levinson directed the pilot. I mean, come on. <laughs> I know. You can't. And, you, can't go wrong. you know, talk about topical. Of course, if you don't know, it deals with the opiate crisis and the proliferation of OxyContin by, uh, by Purdue Pharma, uh, the much-fined and yet never-imprisoned Purdue Pharma. Yes, and it's interesting, too, 
politics have crept in in a big way here into the limited series game here. We have Gaslit, which Stars is really hoping to get into this uh, arena here with limited series and the Emmys uh, with this, which stars Julia Roberts as Martha Mitchell and Sean Penn as John Mitchell and on and Dan Stevens. I have a question. I have a question for you about this, okay? Yeah. So no, water. I was a, I was a, I was a very little kid. I'm old enough. I, I was, you know, born in the Nixon era, but really tail ending, right? right. But I, I've grown up under the shadow of Watergate. Every political scandal is a something gate, you know, phone gate, <laughs> uh, you know, white water gate, whatever, you know, address gate, whatever. Um, and we'll talk about that because another one of these ones, of course, is, is Ryan Murphy's impeachment, looking at the, the Clinton impeachment with Monica Lewinsky, both a focus of it and an executive producer, very odd mix. Um, but do you think that Watergate is starting to feel too far away for audiences? Well, well it may be, you know, it's, it's a sort of a, a, a warning, but Donald Trump has stolen all the thunder from something like Watergate. I mean, it makes it look like nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and Richard Nixon, like George Washington. So um, yeah, I do think that, you know, it's more of a relic now, but it offers juicy roles for actors who want to transform themselves and put themselves in this. I've seen the first episode. I, you know, it's a fun role for Julia Roberts uh, to play Martha Mitchell, uh, who of course- the, the, the crazed and unhinged and unbossed Martha Mitchell. Right, and Sean Penn and is, buries himself as usual in, in, in John Mitchell. And Dan Stevens has the role as John Dean that even John yeah. Dean's gonna have some problems with. But, well, and, um, and that's and you know, I will say that there is the flip of that, which is you know you take something like Watergate, which has kind of you know cultural references, but the specifics seem to have been lost in the ages. Almost nobody knows who John who, who John Mitchell is now, but he was Richard Nixon's first Attorney General and yeah. kind of his second best friend, and definitely one of his political henchmen. And yeah. the degree so have, to which his crazy wife Margaret Martha yeah. Mitchell was. Yeah. <laughs> Even before Woodward and Bernstein, and throughout that, was kind of spilling the beans on everything. Everything. She was she was way ahead of her game. Uh, you know, so we have that. We have impeachment, which you mentioned, which came out very early. But Sarah Paulson was phenomenal. Really became Linda Tripp there. Of course, Monica Lewinsky, played by Beanie Feldstein, who's now on Broadway and Funny Girl. Um, all of this, she may even have an opportunity for awards action at the Emmys and the Tonys uh, there. Yeah. And then we have The First Lady, uh, which is a, a mini series about various first ladies that delves into the whole White House and political scene as well with Viola Davis, Michelle Pfeiffer, on and on in terms of, uh, in terms of that. So um, it's a lot of kind of interesting things for <laughs> those who are interested in politics. And if you're interested in British politics. We had, of course, the very British scandal before with Hugh Grant. Now we've got a sequel uh, to uh, that. More British scandals coming up, and you know. I, and I think though. I think though. I'm, I'm going to just lay out my top five. And my top. Okay. I mean, we've really. Yeah. For me, it's Dope Sick, 1883, which I which I think will you know the the Sam Elliott scandal or the Sam Elliott dust up about his comments about Power of the Dog. At our Contenders TV event, Sam very straightforwardly addressed this and yeah. heartfelt and made it very clear speaking, not just to the gay and lesbian community, but to members of his, his inner circle, including his agent, who are members of that community with a deep, deep, deep apology. 
Yeah. Um, and I think it resonated with people. I know it resonated with people, in fact. Yeah. The gay community has been incredible to me my entire career. And I mean my entire career from before I got started when I was in this town. Friends on every level, in every job description. Up until today with my agent, my dear friend, my agent of a number of years. And I'm sorry that I hurt any of those friends and someone that I loved and anyone else. You know, I think that Annie McDowell's made, I think the dropout, and I think White Lotus. I think they're the top five. And everybody else is kind of fighting to get in or to maybe to de-lodge one of those. I'll tell you, I just interviewed Sebastian Stan for a Pam and Tommy. And whether that makes it in as limited series, it may be too lightweight in a sense. But it's kind of really a really interesting um different kind of limited series here about that scandal over their uh, their sex tape. And boy, are those two, they're all in on this uh, this role. And whatever gets nominated, and I hope both of them uh, find a way in. Uh, and Seth Rogen. And Seth not Rogen, only executive produced it, but is a main in the role of his life, in my opinion. Yeah, and Lily James is terrific um, as Pam Anderson. Really good. But also, I have to give props to the hair and makeup to the um, uh, costume designers and in the visual effects because there is a very animated prosthetic that uh, Sebastian Stan- uh, A talking, a talking. Uh, and it's very funny. But yeah, anyway, it's, funny. There's a, it's very well done. We'll see what happens with Pam and Tommy, which is ironic because we would never hear the names Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee at the Emmys. But the ir irony is when you play somebody like that, that's when the Emmys will pay attention to you, not the real person. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that's that. that yeah, you know, it's interesting though. Though is, you know, whenever we do, whenever we talk about limited series over the seasons of TV talk, I'm always get kind of frustrated. I'll be honest with you, because I do think limited series has become a little bit of a catch-all category because you get around it, like Ryan Murphy has for ages. You just talked about White Lotus. It's like, hey, same name, different show. What is it? Same premise, kind of. You know. And then there's the ones where. I just feel like, oh, come on, like give it to them. The one I'm talking about is one of my favorite shows right now is Apple TV Plus's Slow Horses, um, led by Gary Oldman and Kristen Scott Thomas, which is essentially a British, a modern day British spy thriller with a lot else hooked into it. Okay. Uh, six episodes, awesome. Turns out they filmed two seasons, it's back to back. So it doesn't make the cut. And I, I, you know, do you think, Pete, because a lot of people have talked about this, I know you've talked about it. Do yeah. you think at some point the, Acad the TV Academy has to tighten this up and be like, yeah. you guys can't keep playing games with what it is. You can't use this category as a way to sneak attack in. Yeah, I know. And they've done it and they've tried to straighten it out and then something happens and then they let it go. Here's what they need to do, though. Okay, drama series, comedy series are all 10 nominees, just like the Oscars Best Picture is now a solid 10 nominees. Limited series really is the heart, soul, and class of the television season, and that needs to be 10 nominees again. It, it was, when I was on the board of the TV Academy, we wanted to combine it with TV movies because there just wasn't enough. We couldn't yeah. come up with enough. Now you're overwhelmed by this quality. People 
big stars want to come, Julia Roberts, that type, want to come and do this limited thing and uh, with kind of interesting material that they do. You know, so, so you're seeing Jessica Chastain, our Oscar winner this year, uh, opposite Oscar Isaac in Scenes from a Marriage. That's a very interesting show on HBO because it's a limited series that this movie, Ingmar Bergman, Scenes from a Marriage, made quite the splash in the 70s. Ironically, it was probably the first limited television series. It was it happened to be in Sweden. It was a six-hour yeah. TV series. It's come full circle to be another limited series here in its American version. Very interesting uh, to see that. But I do think you're going to see a lot of our most recent Oscar winners, particularly in the acting categories, actress categories, Renee Zellweger, the, the thing about Pam. And, I don't think uh, we're going to see any Will Smith here, pal. I don't think we're going to see the only, well, he does have a show that he's involved with. Well, you know? that's true. And Bella and Be and I will say Fresh Prince, the, the, the reimagined version, that's a quality show, my friend. It's not, I know. This, that, that's not an, I mean, I guess they're all IP cash grabs to some extent, but actually I have to take that back. Will Smith might actually, he might as an executive producer find himself in a very good place in the end. Well, what I, I understand uh, the uh, Television Academy has not banned him from going to the Emmys. So, um, uh, and they might well welcome it if they can get Chris Rock to uh, present. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> now, but, but having said that, let us segue to talking about pain. As many of you know, America for several decades now has been suffering from an opiate epidemic. Yeah. Prescription medication, which has been used to help people legitimately treat pain, has become overprescribed, abused, and has turned into a national, international, in fact, disgrace and horror show. In many ways, Hulu's Dope Sick, which debuted on October 13th last year, depicts the horrors of this by centering its story on not only the investigation into Purdue Pharma, but West Virginia coal miners, their doctors, and the way they were upsold this horrible, horrible drug, oxycodone. Created by Danny Strong and based on the book, Dope Sick, Doc Dealers, Doctors, and the Drug Companies That Addicted America by Beth Macy, the Dope Sick panel was one of the last panels we did, penultimate panel actually, of the first day of our Contenders TV event this spring, I sat down with creator Danny Strong and a couple of the actors, Michael Keaton and Caitlin Deaver, and it was one of the most fulfilling experiences I have had for people talking about their art, their craft, and their passion. Take a listen. So I want to start out with something, and some people know this. I was, a, I, was, I, I was addicted to oxycodone for four years. I had cancer, and it was in 2005, and let me tell you, doctors were handing those things out like Tic Tacs, as a certain fictional doctor can tell you here. Um, I, I know a lot of people who died, and a lot of people had a lot of hard times, but I want to say to both Michael and Caitlin, your portrayals, different ways, obviously, were so unbelievable. There are a lot of tropes, and that deserves applause, my friends, let me tell you. There are a lot of tropes and cliches that people do when they do drug addiction. None of them were in Dope Sick. So, Caitlin, I want to start with you. How did you find this place to go there the way you did? Thank you for saying that, by the way. Um, yeah, you know, there's really no set formula for 
diving into a role like this, um, I just knew I was taking on a huge responsibility and something that I had a lot of passion for and the whole crew and Danny had so much passion for. So I just felt like the weight of that and the importance of telling that story. So um, I put a lot of pressure on myself. And uh, I mean, I the research I had done was just, you know, there's a lot of like, clinical research you can like google and youtube and look search and documentaries and stuff but there's no like you can't really find like emotional how it affects someone emotionally um and i actually had someone on set with me that be, that i became very close with and was like a big part of my research process um but yeah i mean just knowing dope sick the book by beth macy cover to cover and um watching a lot of documentaries and just trying to get into that headspace as much as I could because this character meant so much to me. Can I ask you a question? If it's too personal, tell me. Was it hard to get out of that headspace? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Your, your guys' performances are just so top-notch. I mean, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you can clap and clap all the time. It, it definitely is hard to let go of that, um, but I think that at the end of the day and after, I mean, it was really, really hard what we were doing. Um, but I think that I was constantly reminding myself of the good that we are doing by making this show and bringing it to life and, and how all of this hard work feels definitely worth it and is nothing in comparison to what people who are actually going, with, going through addiction go through, so. Michael, now I know you have talked about members of your own family. Yeah. And, and, and as many of you know, Michael won an award for this show. <laughs> Three awards. Yes. Um, trio. Um, and you, gave, you, you spoke very emotionally from the heart about this. So I wanted to ask the same question I asked Caitlin, but in that context, because it was close to your family. How did you get into doing this role the way you did so completely? Um, I had done a movie called Clean and Sober, so some of my work Thanks. <laughs> Some of my work had been done. I, you know, uh, I think made it easier. Um, I, I never. I, I always uh, run the risk of sounding coy, I guess. But I got I have to be honest with you. I'm not quite sure. I don't really know. I don't really think much about what I do. I just kind of show up. And the writing was so good, and the direction from all these guys was so good. And every day I showed up, you know, I went, man, I'm covered, because every actor was so good. Um, you can clap for that. <laughs> that you. <laughs> that just gets easier. So you know what it is? It comes down to basics. Sometimes you, I'm not going to bore everybody to, to tears. No one's going to be bored by anything okay. you tell them, Michael. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. We've got a phone book Michael can read. We're good. <laughs> um, um, but, but sometimes you break it all down. You go, it doesn't matter what, what the issue is. What's the truth? You know, what's the truth? Who's the person? And just, just drop down to the bottom line and just, you know, go to the common denominator and say, who's this person? Who's this person in this moment? And just trust that the person is there. And then the circumstances, you know, are... are you know, the circumstances. So I, I don't know that I overthought it. In fact, thanks for the compliment. I, I, I will tell you, I actually think I kind of, there's, there's some moments where I think, yeah, I'm not so sure that's really accurate. You know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate in, 
in that I, I was an addicted to Oxycontin. So I go, well, how do I really know? What do I really know about that? You know, so, so a couple of choices I made early on, I wasn't really sure when the addiction starts to take hold. I wasn't really sure I was really on it, to be honest with you. So I thought, well, you know, who is this guy? Right now on this day, on some, and I would make up a day, it's Tuesday afternoon, it's about 4.30. It's been bad for months. You know, where am I right now in this moment? Where's this guy right now in this moment? Even if it wasn't addiction, you know, even if it wasn't, and then you go, but it is addiction. So I just kind of say, where am I right now here? You know, is it cloudy? You know, am I, you know what I mean? <laughs> am I, I'm, I'm broke. Uh, you know, look at my shitty clothes. Uh, you know what I mean? And I just go Lots here. Lots of medical license. Here I am. Yeah, well, all that. Yeah, but but honestly, to be honest with you, I'm not being, it's not a fake, mod it actually is fake modesty. But no, I'm not being, I'm not being modest when I say, I, I, I actually don't, in a couple of scenes, I think I went, I'm not so sure that's accurate in my behavior, I, to be honest with you. So, so thanks. It was. Thanks. <laughs> Well, Daddy, I was going to ask you, I mean, obviously, um, Caitlin mentioned Beth Macy's book, and I know that you and Beth, you know, you read the book, I know that you, you, you brought it to, and, and it's, it's a different story, but it's the story. This was very powerful for you. I mean, you know, a lot of people know you for Empire, clearly, but a lot of people know you for Recount, Game Change, and, and those type of shows, and that, that felt like this, you were back in that stride. For you, what drew you to this story? Um, well, John Goldwyn is a wonderful producer, and he, look at that. We're clapping, we're pro You're just scared of getting yelled about that you can clap, so you're doing it ahead of time. I appreciate that. Uh, John. We have a clapping quota. <laughs> so John uh, came to me with this idea about, about doing a project on the opioid crisis, and so I started diving into the research, and I, because I liked the idea right away, there had been this very high-profile article by Patrick Radin Keefe in The New Yorker that really had blown up the story of the Sackler family sparking the flames that created the opioid We can crisis. add the word the evil Sackler family before their names you, every you, time we say it. You can, you can actually, that's actually accurate. And so when I started researching them, uh, their company, what they had done, that there had been a case brought by prosecutors and that they had pled guilty as a company to felonies and what they had pled guilty to was so outrageous. Their crimes were so staggering, it just, it enraged me. I couldn't believe how one company that was micromanaged by a, a single family um, could cause so much destruction to so many people, and they had gotten away with it. You know, this was 2018 when I started this. There's been quite a reckoning since then, but there wasn't when I started it, and I thought, okay, I could do... Uh, a limited series on the origin story of the opioid crisis. I think it could be actually pretty powerful and work with this prosecutors building a case. There could be something that is compelling as a piece of drama, but ultimately I just wanted to put the Sackler family on trial because they hadn't I'm been put on trial. Yeah. No, it was, it was literally my motivation was I, 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 by showing these investigators uncover the crimes and then cutting to the crimes and then cutting to the victims, this could be the trial that they haven't gotten yet. And that was, uh, that was my original motivation. That and uh, they were, had their um, Oxycontin had been prescribed and been curtailed in the United States, not entirely, but they had been somewhat exposed. And so now they were using these same techniques internationally, the same dishonest, deceptive techniques. And so I thought, okay, well, this show could be a warning 
to foreign countries that Purdue Pharma and the Sacklers are coming to lie to you and to addict you. And that was, it was, those were my, my main motivations diving into it. And, and I thought it could be a compelling piece of drama. I hope you enjoyed that. Now remember, you can actually watch all of the panel for Dope Sick and all of the panels for all of our Deadline Contenders events from this spring by going on to Deadline.com. We have a specific mini site for the Contenders videos. Please check them out because there's a lot of conversation that we all had during those two days. But today, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. So make sure, as we always tell you, you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode of TV Talk. Our own limited series here during Emmy season. Uh, and of course, you can find all of our TV breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. So thank you for joining us. Talk to you soon. Bye.